is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Right back at you. Real Kipper and Born. Show number 57. And it feels like we've done all 56 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> these uh, different environment these days, Kipper. Justin Bourne joining us. We got Sammy back in the house after a long Christmas stretch. Sammy, well rested, raring to go. I think you can you can run this two hours just yourself. I think that's how much uh, that's how much we think we think of you uh, coming off the break. Well, I appreciate that, fellas, and I would like to say, you know, I really love what the Leafs have looked like over the Christmas break. I thought they've really looked strong. They're playing great. Oh, wait, wait, they haven't played yet, right? So, uh, yeah, lots of uh, World Junior watching. That baby stripped from us soon, but uh, I'm doing well. Had a great time up in Own Sound uh, for the Christmas break up in Peterborough. Had a fun time back, raring to go. Hopefully we get some Leafs hockey soon here, fellas. We got a ton that we're going to jam-pack in this uh this session today, uh, two hours might not be enough because there, there's a, there's a ton out there. Uh, believe it or not, uh, yes, we did have NHL hockey last night. Three games in the National Hockey League for a combined total, guys, of thirty-two goals. Ooh. Thirty-two <laughs> in three <up>. games. <laughs> so th- there is a ton, like I said, and and listen, uh, oh, to be a, a teenage hockey star in this country. Connor Bedard, get used to that name uh, because uh, he made a lot of noise last night for Team Canada and the World Junior to give us a perspective of what it's like to be a a teenage hockey star in this country. We're going to get Eric Lindros, one of the all-time greats, maybe arguably the first true superstar in junior hockey. And although we can lump Wayne Gretzky in there somewhere, clearly – whether it's social media or media in general, just never took that type of superstardom to the level that we see today uh, with the mass media. But uh, we'll get Eric Lindros later on in the show, Hall of Famer, to tell us what maybe Connor Bedard is going through as a young phenom getting his feet wet on a national stage. Kipper, also, Sam Cod- Yeah, go ahead, sorry, JV. Go ahead. I watched some uh, Eric Lindros clips of his first junior hockey game the other day. I cannot believe the physical presence he was at that age. He was blowing people up at 16 years old. What is that? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a sight to see. I, I still marvel at any any true, and just Google anything Eric Lindros and just go through uh, his highlight reel. And it, it's my favorite football player Lawrence Taylor I always described Eric Lindros as Lawrence Taylor on skates yeah. mm-hmm. the great uh, New York Giant uh, linebacker who who moved like he was a running back uh, but it was it, it's a sight to see so we'll get we'll get Eric on uh, Sam Constantino is going to join us as well to to give us the latest of a of a world junior tournament besides uh, Connor we'll, we'll get into so much more and and Boys, it really sounds like this tournament's hanging on by a thread right now. Yeah, a couple more cancellations here, fellas. It's 
you know, I guess not cancellation, forfeits. So the uh, checks, they got forfeited because they had a couple of positive, uh, was it the States? It's a tough one. And I'm seeing some stuff coming out now about the hotels that they're staying in. Apparently there's a wedding reception at one of the hotels that they're staying <laughs> at. I mean, who, first of all, who the hell's having a wedding in Red Deer in, in late December? Maybe, you know, you could go somewhere a little warmer than that. But, we, yeah, it just seems like a bit of an S show down there right now. So we'll see what happens. But, boy, it really does seem to be hanging on by a thread. We, we did discuss this the other day. Uh, yesterday, JB, I told you there were some issues. A lot of people questioning uh, the hotel in Red Deer and the access that everybody had coming and going, the hallways packed the players using the same uh, entrance as uh, the general public and people were questioning it right from the get-go so it's it's hard to believe that you would go to such great lengths to hold on to this tournament when they've canceled so many others and we know the uproar over the under uh, 18s for the women and what's that caused the headaches that it's caused them yet you go out of your way to protect the money maker in all of this and and you're u- losing players to possibly just horrible off ice conditions uh you know i think Kipper, one of the things that's always been a real undercurrent in pro sports that we're aware of is how much of all everything is about money but it's just been never been exposed as nakedly as it is now mm-hmm. where they're like here's why the men's tournament's going on uh that's money and here's <laughs> why <laughs> sorry jb do do we really need to for that to be explained to us well i know but it's just is... never been this brazen before really I, Sammy, not to me anyway. Uh, like, so this whole time when they're getting attacked uh, because they think it's just strictly uh, a gender issue when it comes to canceling the women but going on to the men, they can't and, and no one can figure out that this is all about just protecting the cash cow. Of course. That's what it's all been about from the start. And, you know, it has nothing to do with the gender. It has, nothing, it has to do more with who's watching it. And guess who watches the World Juniors? A lot of people in Canada. And there's, you know, advertisements that have been sold on the World Juniors. There's all this stuff that they have to kind of go through with. And money go, makes the world go round. That's what's happened with this. And as bad as it is, it's a reality in a lot of different walks of life. And that's one of the main reasons that this hasn't been canceled. And I'm sure there's a lot of executives over at the competition that are praying at night that this doesn't get shut down because there's a lot of advertising that's been sold. It's a scary proposition for them over there, and that's the only reason this baby's still going is money and other ones have been cancelled. I wouldn't say it's been a banner week for the double IHF. I don't think they're really having a great week here. But like the the money thing, even beyond this, just like postponing games where you have healthy enough players to play is just the league saying this is about money, and it's and that's fine. I'm just saying it's so obvious right now how they're just trying to move things ahead for the money. One thing that's super interesting. Go ahead, Kipper. You got something to say? No, you go ahead. You finish because I want to comment on on what you're saying. Yeah, I was just going to say that with the World Juniors, now it's getting even more awkward. Where the U.S. had two positive tests. And 
each of those roommates, the, the roommate of each positive, should have to sit out an extra day while they undergo testing. Uh, the guy who rooms with the forward, he's going to have to do that. The guy who rooms with the goalie is also a goalie. They're going to give this kid an exemption to play so the team can have a goalie, which just goes to show you how arbitrary the rules are right now, trying to move forward a tournament for the money. Well, and here, here's the biggest beef I have with... Uh, whether you're, 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 you're pushing to save a tournament, which I totally respect uh, when it comes to the under-18 uh, women's, for sure. Uh, but it's, it's just so easy today to just pile on without truly understanding the dynamics behind something or even, you know, trying to figure it out. Um, but it's, it's real easy to start pointing fingers at somebody or, or suggesting why it's being canceled, but... They don't, no one's willing to do their homework to find out, like, you know, really where, where the biggest issue is. And it's so easy for people to accuse other people of anything when it's not their money on the line, when they have no skin in the game. And to truly come out with a hard opinion on something, to not understand the financial dynamic of it or where the money's coming from or who's it's paid by or who needs to be made whole in all of this. It, it, it is, it, it's just too easy now in social media to pile on without truly understanding where the issues are. And that's the only beef I have. It's so easy when people started attacking other people, but it's not their money on the line. They have no skin in the game, and if they did, then maybe they they take a closer look at it. That's the only thing I really have to say about that because I, I never believed for one se- second that this was uh, gender related. This all had to do with the bottom line. Yeah, and I, I think that's completely fair, right? So, uh, is Borny's mic? Did you say something there, Borny? Is your mic off? Or are we? And, uh, yeah, I think your mic was off. And, and, and just yeah. just to add, you know, and, and maybe. 12 hours, 24 hours, three days from now, the right decision was to cancel, and, and they look like idiots for, for running the, the, the men's world juniors now. Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they could look bad in, in another 24 hours where they made a horrible mistake trying to pull something off while everybody else around, while Rome is burning everywhere else. They, they were too arrogant or cocky to think that they, they were going to get away with this. Like, they're well, not... That- they're not included in all of this? Last year, they did the hard bubble, right, with the World Juniors where there's no fans involved. It was like the same thing they did with the NHL uh, playoffs and it was the bubble. They did the hard bubble where there was no one in or out and it was very strict. And they got through it without any tests. But like we were talking about, and you guys were talking about the hotel situation, you know, if you're just mixing and max- matching with people who are just, you know, exposed to the outside world, this is going to happen. This is what – and listen – I, on the other side of this, you know, you can talk about the money, you can talk about however you want to talk about it, but I'm sick for those kids that have, like, the World Juniors at that age group is the pinnacle of hockey. It's what you dream of playing in. It's what all the big stars have played in leading up to this. You know, you look at whatever, the, you know, every star that's played in the World Juniors and all of them having these huge moments, you get so excited to go and they're like, oh, you know, we're still going to go through it with COVID and we're still going to have it. And now it's, now it's, you're getting it taken away from you. I I get that, Sam, but, you know, take a look, take a good look around this whole world. 
I kids know. don't know whether they're going to school next week. Mm-hmm. Kids have been denied, uh, you know, graduation and all the normal stuff that teenagers are supposed to. Like, there's a whole world. It, it, it. There's everybody's in the same boat here. So, just from Chris Peters, who is a uh, you know NHL draft guy, has been doing you know junior co- hockey coverage for a long time, and you know he's pretty credible guy. He's tweeting out here that he's expecting an announcement soon that the World Juniors will be indeed canceled. So really? that's just coming out in the in the last two minutes here. So uh, yeah, yeah. See, the the so, other thing too is uh, uh, again we're dealing with uh, federal, provincial, and local health authorities, guys. So whether we sit there and, and judge whether or not they could still play with one or two players in, that, that have tested positive, we don't know what they're telling them. We have no idea, and it is a different beast. So we are under the impression now that uh, because south of the border, uh, majority of the teams now and NFL, NBA are going to go from 10 days to five days quarantine because CDC says so. Well, Okay, so what's that mean for Canada, guys? Like, Nothing. You think you think because the U.S. says so that Canada is going to follow suit in in the next few days? Like, no, they're not going to. And at some point, it's a competitive disadvantage. If your guys have to isolate for twice as long as the American players, it's a legitimate disadvantage. And I think that's what's going to happen. Where we just throw up our arms and go, well, "What are you going to do?" We there's different rules everywhere. Seems arbitrary, but unfortunately, that's just the way it's going to be. And obviously, that's going to make some general managers and owners and fans pretty upset. Yeah, that's that's a really tough spot for these Canadian teams. And I'm sure if you're Kyle Dubas, if you're whoever the GM of whatever hockey team, and you're just you're really, really trying your best to find a way. I don't know. I guess you can't like are you going to lobby against the government. I don't think these GMs signed up to have it be where it's, you know, you're, we're dealing with local health protocols versus the states where things are more open. What a headache for these guys trying to figure out who can play, who can't play. It's just, you know, the protocols that are in place right now for a lot of these sports are what they were at the start of last season. So they're stricter than they should be in some spots. It's just, it's a total mess here. And I mean, when are the Leafs going to play hockey, fellas? Are they rethinking this weekend? Like, I, I really have no idea. Kipper, do you have any idea? No, I, I, I know they're on the, the house league schedule where there's a, a one game a week. I think, <laughs> I think, I think they're, they're, down, they're, they're down to four games in the last four weeks. So I guess they're just, one day, one practice and one game a week. That's that's what they're looking at. But it's just not the players, guys. Uh, lots of talk about uh, the players and how it's affecting them. I thought we'd spin it a little bit differently and talk about uh, what it means to the officials as well. Not 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 a lot of talk about how this can affect the officials. So let's go get Tim Peel, retired National Hockey League referee, rules analyst for DailyFaceOff.com. Tim, thanks for joining us. First and foremost, how are you? You safe? I think you're in the St. Louis area. What's the what's the feeling down there? Hey, Kipper, good to have you. Thanks, Justin, or good to have me. Thank you. Uh, things are good in St. Louis, and uh, we're busy here. You know, it's uh, it's a lot different in, in the U.S. as you know in Canada, and 
you know, our kids are playing. I'm going to the Blues game tonight, actually, uh, with, uh, I don't know if you ever played with him, Kipper, but I'm going with Jamal Mayers tonight. Him and I coach a select team here in St. Louis, so Jammer and I are going to go down to the game. And, you know, it's uh, it's a different world down here than it is in Canada. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. It's just the reality of what we're living in down here. Yeah, Mayers is younger and better looking than me, so um, I, I'm not a big <laughs> fan of him at, at all. Um, so much talk, uh, uh, the players going down, but, you know, I want to get into your world a little bit with the officials and the challenges. Again, uh, what are you hearing on that side? Because we did hear there were a number of officials that went down. They might have gotten some back through the Christmas break, but overall, what's your sense of what's happening, uh, you know, with with the officials in the NHL and, and moving from city to city to try to get these games in? No, that's a good question. And I, I sent out a tweet a couple of days ago and I didn't think it would garner as much attention as it did because all I was saying is everybody always talks, you know, every report is, you know, about the players and the coaches and the training staff, et cetera. And you never really hear anything about the officials. And, and uh, at, at one point I know they had 15 down with, with COVID uh, I know they got a few of them back, but then the last few days, I know a few of them have been tested positive. I don't know what the exact number is, but I know it's pretty high. And my only comment was if we hadn't had all these games canceled, I don't know if we'd have enough officials to uh, to referee all these games with a four-man crew. Now, we do have 11 people in the minor leagues uh, that they would call up. And just like the players you know, it's a good opportunity for them. You see in St. Louis here with Nathan Walker and and Logan Brown, they've got an opportunity to come up and they've played well. And, you know, Jeff Brown's boy, Logan, he's on the power play and he's kind of been able to show what he, what he was, the reason he was drafted so high. And so there's an opportunity for officials too, to be called up. And, but my concern is, is that, and I spoke to an official yesterday is, is the, the players charter, as you know, Kipper, they charter. And uh, we don't. The officials don't. You know, they're flying on Southwest. They're flying on American. So uh, Delta, et cetera, Canada. So because they're at the airports, because they're they're on a plane, they don't know that the person next to them has been vaccinated or if they've been tested or not. And and so I think there's a greater risk for the officials to get it than the than the players because of the commercial travel travel that they have to endure. And so if, if sort of a worst case scenario strikes here and they are thin or light guys, is it possible to ref with three man crews in today's NHL? And if so, what changes for officials? It's possible for sure. It's difficult. You know, uh, Dan O'Rourke, who is a great referee in this league, he's worked a few Stanley Cup finals. He ref by himself here in St. Louis the other night and uh, did a great job And because he had refed in the minors before by himself. The only concern would be if if you don't have an experienced official, you have a new guy, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll use the example. He was supposed to work with a young guy that night, Mitch Dunning. Mitch Dunning, it's his first year in the league. So what if Dan O'Rourke had have gone down with COVID and, and Mitch Dunning is now being put in a position where he's got to referee a game by himself, full ice. Uh, it, it would be difficult to do. You know, I remember a few years ago, Gordy Dwyer got sick halfway through the first period in the game. I was refereeing with him in Chicago and, and I had to do the game the rest of myself and by myself. And it was difficult, you know, uh, as I, 
as I've commented on on different programs, is that now without the red line, you know, you've got stretch passes from the blue, from the goal line up to the far blue line. Well, as an official, obviously we can't move as fast as a puck, and with the speed of the players now, you know, the game that I did, I found I was you know, at least one zone back, maybe two. And it's difficult, the speed of the game. That's the reason we brought in, you know, an an extra referee is because the speed of the game and the standard that the NHL wants us to call, it's it's tough to keep that standard with a one uh, referee system. Tim, the the guys have never been bigger. I can only imagine uh, the blind spots or, you know, so many times that you can get just blocked out of a, a position now. Yeah, exactly, Kipper. And the other big thing is the A, they're bigger, but B, they're so fast. And I I know the game I did, you know, I did a couple by myself. We're trained now as officials to the play is always coming towards us because you're skating backwards. But if you're refereeing by yourself, you're now chasing the play and you just don't have as good a sight lines. It's just not uh, possible to have as good a sight line as you do in the four uh, official system and some people you know wish that we could go back to to the three-man system but it's just not realistic in this in today's game Tim I know as a as a player there there are often times when I've played and I've had a fever a flu-like symptoms and I, I've played through it a lot of guys have played through it I'm sure in your day officials have have played through a lot as well but you know, the one thing as a player is I got to go back to the bench, uh, regroup, put my head down. I didn't have to pay attention even to the next shift as I regrouped. Right. Um, it's different for an official. Maybe put me in your skates if you weren't 100% and, and how taxing that would be to play under 100% or perform under 100%. It, it's difficult, but, you know, one, one thing, the difference being – you know, I when you're sick, man, it sucks to get hit. You know, you're, you know, you as a player, like you're like, oh man, I got the flu. Like I do not want to get checked. So the officials aren't getting checked. They're not getting hit. You know, there were many times throughout my career where I had the flu, and I, you know, popped a bunch of Sudafed and and Advil or whatever cold and sinus to get me through the game, and you just battled it out. And it's just. You know, Stephen Walkham knows, you know, he officiated for a long time. He knows there's going to be nights that our officials are sick. They're under the weather. They're, they're not going to be on top of their game. And that's just the reality of, of, of our sport. So, you know, it's difficult, but you just suck it up. You know, you, you, it's, there's just, you, you can't say, oh, I'm too sick to referee the game. And, uh, you, you know, there were games where I'd get an IV before the game or I'd get an IV in between periods to get me through the game and were you on top of your game? Probably not, but you got through it and our guys are battlers and they're pros and they'll get through them too. How common is that, that uh, NHL officials are dealing with not just uh, sickness, but injuries and how, you know, the, the fight to stay ready for the amount of games that these guys have to call is probably one of the untold stories from the, uh, the official side of thing. No. Yeah, it is. You're right. You know, we've got, had a number of officials that have been out this year. Francis Sharon's out with a season-ending uh, ankle surgery. Chris Lee just came back, but then he just uh, was was put on the shelf because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And and we've Mark Joannette broke his fibula a month ago, one of our most senior officials. And, uh, you know, we've been hit, or they've been hit pretty hard with injuries. And uh, But like I said earlier, 
uh, it's an opportunity for guys to get called up from the American League. And, and for our senior officials, if they have to work extra games this year, then they'll have to work extra games. And it's just, uh, you know, it's the best for me. It was the best job in the world. You grind it out for eight months and uh, you've got the summer off. So if you've got to work three games and three nights, you suck it up and you do it for the league. Tim, we want to ask you, uh, we actually had games last night, if you can believe it. Uh, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that you caught a few of them, but one in particular was uh, Tampa Bay versus Montreal. And yes, there was a goaltender interference call. Uh, JB and Sammy thought it was a horrific call on Gallagher coming <laughs> into the paint against uh, Legacy. Uh, your initial thoughts on it? Uh, I'll I'll save mine for after I hear yours. Sure. <laughs> sure. No. <laughs> it's it's uh, when I first saw it last night, and I got to give credit to Dean Morton because Dean made the call right off the bat. He said no goal. When I first saw it, I go, oh geez, no. The Tampa player he made contact. He put Gallagher into the net. Uh, I disagreed with the call, and then I watched it. I watched it again this morning. And that's the benefit we have. Eh? We, we get to watch yes. it three or four times. We can watch it the next morning. Well, Dean, Dean had to call it in real time. I think, uh, not I think, they made the, the right stick. call. The Cor- stick. Cor- cor- correct, correct. The Tampa player did really not make that much contact with, with, uh, with Brendan Gallagher. And Gallagher was a little off balance. He got twisted around, and his stick drove uh, Legacy's pad into the net. And I think hockey ops made the correct call by supporting the call on the ice. And a lot of people, you know, will say, well, it's Brendan Gallagher. He doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. I love Brendan Gallagher. And, uh, but I think that's one there where it's not a reputation call. It's the, it's the correct call. See, often in the show, I change JB and Sammy's mind. And you, you just did because they both thought it was a horse call. Did they? <laughs> yeah. Well- Listen, I'm not entirely sure it's still not, Kipper. I don't know. If it, the, uh, I do wonder, how often when you're refing a game, Tim, do you go back and rewatch something and go, ah, man, I didn't get it or I got that one right? How much are you reviewing video for these sort of assessments? All the time. All the yeah. time. After every game. After every game. After every game that I would work, and uh, I, whether it would be that night, you know, in my hotel room, maybe having a glass of wine and relaxing, I'd watch the game. I wouldn't watch the entirety of it, but I'd watch calls that I made, calls that I didn't make to see if I should have made them. And then Stephen Walkham will send out emails to us individually, but also as a group and say, hey, we need, you know, I I need you to look at these two or three calls from last night. And there are, you know, several times over my career where either himself or Terry Gregson, when he was the boss, would call you up and say, Hey, listen. I need you to to tighten up a little bit on your on your hooking standard. You know, you've let it slip a little bit. So they're on top of these guys, and they're looking at a lot of video every day and every week. Okay, I'm so happy I got you on the show here because I'm going to finally set the record straight. Because every time there's some hot button topic, uh, and this year it was the cross check, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we stop seeing calls around this time or January, and everybody says, "Oh, the players." are getting it they're finally getting it it's like no it's the officials they just stopped calling it i see i really haven't it, it's funny you mention that because i really haven't seen much of it lately and, yes and i had you know but while also we've had no hockey to watch for the last couple of weeks and but prior to that 
I, and I, I think you're, even though you're not saying that, Kipper, I think you're right, though, that they have adjusted. Like, where this all really, do I think the cross-checking was out of hand? No, I don't. Do I think we maybe could have tightened up a little bit on it? But where it really got uh, brought to the forefront was the Mayfield cross-check on Kucherov last year that went on called. And I think everybody can agree that that should have been called a penalty. Um, and, and every year, you know, the GMs and the coaches and, and uh, the PA will get together, as you know, and they'll say, hey, where are some areas that maybe we can improve on? You know, we've done a good job on the hooking and the tripping and the slashing. And uh, I do I think that it's a problem? No. Um, could we tighten up, have tightened up a little bit on it? Probably yes. And you know, these players are the smartest players in any sport. They'll they'll adjust, and I think they've already adjusted. How uh, I, mean, I don't think it'll ahead, flip. Oh, I'm just going to say, uh, did everybody see the overtime goal Palat scored off the headman pass? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did. Uh, Evans, I did. Evans is behind the net, and Stamkos chased him around and, and gave him what looked like uh, the motion of a cross check, but it was actually a push. It, it was minimal at best, exactly. And and if they hadn't scored, uh, it wouldn't even been brought up because that's not a penalty. That's not a cross-checking penalty in the NHL. That's not the standard that, that Coley and, and Steven want us to call. That was a great non-call. The result's bad because, because the Montreal player goes down. But Stamkos, a cross-checking penalty is a forceful uh, and powerful blow is how it's described in the in the rule book. That certainly wasn't forceful, nor was it powerful. The result Ev- sucked. The yeah. result sucked for the Montreal player, but it was not a penalty. And he was looking for the call. You see his reaction 100%. right away, and his arms are up in the air. Doesn't that drive you nuts a little bit? Do you file that away when a when a player blatantly uh, calls you out? No, you know why? Because I know. He's he's not so much upset. Of, of course, he is a little bit. At, I think Dean Morton was in that end. He's more upset that the next that night and the next day he's going to have to hear about it from from his coaches. What what could you have done different? You didn't. You know, he 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 really went down easy. I'm surprised how how easy he went down. And maybe he just caught an edge. I'm not sure. But no, I'd never listen. Players are emotional, and I I don't know if I said this to you last time, but I remember. Brian Boyle was giving it to me a few years ago, and and uh, he came back on the ice, and he's like, "Dealsy, I'm sorry." I, I I said, "Don't you ever apologize for being emotional and yelling at me?" I said, "We need more of that in our sport." So that would never bother me, and I, we need that. We you know we've lost a lot of that in the last couple of years. We need more emotion in our sport. It's good for our game. How has the relationship between officials and players changed over the years? I, you know, I know guys that, you know, talking about my dad's area, used to go out and have drinks with the, the refs, and obviously now it doesn't feel like that's a, a crossover that happens as much. Uh, have you seen an evolution there? For sure, no, and that's a great point that, that uh, you brought up. But it really has changed a lot. You know, I remember when I first came in the league, and quite often you'd run into each other at the same watering holes because even though teams chartered back then they usually didn't fly out right after the game in, in a lot of instances and but now most of the teams fly out right after and and it's changed because you know when i was coming up you know it was the 
it was Kiprios and it was Kachuk and it was Dallas Drake and Dougie Waite and, and Matt Sundin and these guys that that wanted to have a relationship with you. And it's not a it's not a slight to the new generation. It's just the way they're wired now uh, that officiating really is the last thing on their mind. Like I, I had mentioned uh, before. Uh, to somebody is that I don't know if I've really even had a conversation with Connor McDavid. He's, he doesn't, officiating is, not, of course, he wants calls, but you don't see him talking to the officials. He's, he, he's too focused. These guys are focused now. And I'm not saying that the other generations weren't focused, but it was different. These guys, you know, you see them after the game, they're on the cell phone with their agents or their advisors or their parents. And, you know, they go, they're going back to the room and having a shake. And we, we go back to the room, Kipper, right after a game. And you couldn't wait to have a cold Bud Light. It's just, it's changed. It's just the way it is. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think this new generation of players really is concerned about having a relationship with the officials. Oh, you know, I've had a couple of concussions here. But I think I remember one official getting caught doing shots with someone in the media. <laughs> <laughs> any any recollect, recollection yeah, of that, Tim? Yeah, yeah. One hey. of my lack of judgment. Hey, it, yeah. the, the problem was it, it shouldn't have been media. It should have been one of the players. It would have been actually probably beneficial to understanding well, each other a little better. But because as as JB just mentioned, man, that stuff was going on, and it, oh, maybe the you. Maybe you know it was better for you us. Were out with the, you, were, you know, Nike, you were out with the officials, and you guys were closing the same bar up until 2 or 3 in the morning, and then you'd see each other the next day in another city. It's just the way it was. And, you know, I, you joke about that tequila shot. I always wanted to ask Gary or, or Bill, like, was it the tequila itself? Or, like, if, if it was a glass of wine, would it have been fine? Or was it just... <laughs> a, a, a Gatorade? Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. would, would, so, would have been good. You need some sort of like official and players mixer or something to get everyone more acquainted <laughs> with one another. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. Um, we go, we're going into an outdoor game, Tim. Uh, your experiences in that? I'm not. I'm not sure uh, if you've done one or how many you've, you've yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, I did a couple. I did one in uh, Chicago at Wrigley in 2009, and then I did the one at Bush Stadium here in St. Louis and they're a lot of fun and, and it's funny you brought that up because I was actually up until this morning I phoned Chris Rooney he's refereeing the game and he was gracious enough to give me tickets for the family up in Minnesota this weekend and I was going to take my family and I called him up I said Runes it's going to be too cold <laughs> I said we're not going to Minnesota and it's going to be tough it's going to be cold for the you know the, the players uh, they get to sit on those benches and they've got them warmed up they've got they've got blowers going and the, the officials, they're gonna. It's gonna be cold. It's it's gonna be a challenge for them. But they'll dress warm. And once, you know, you know, the couple games that I did, it wasn't as cold as it's gonna be in Minnesota. But you get out there and you're moving, and, and the adrenaline's going, and you you get a good sweat on. And and uh, but you know, I, I'm soft now. I've lived in the U.S. for 20 years, so it's Minnesota's too cold for me this time of year. Is it different being out, outdoors, though, for sight lines and things like that? Like, is it tough to call no. an official in that, or a game in that environment? No. No, it just becomes another game. You know, it's fun. It's, uh, it, it's, it's a great experience, and I hope all of our officials get to do one. It's, it's, a, it's phenomenal for your family and friends that get to go to the game, you know. Uh, but, no, once the puck drops 
uh, it, it's it, it's another game. It doesn't matter really what what's around. And I know that sounds so corny, but it's the reality. It's the ranks the same size, the, the players, everything. Once you know, the, once the competition gets going, you drop that puck. It, it's all the same as any other game. Tim, I'm I'm worried about the ice conditions under such cold weather. And you would be the first. You guys would be the first ones to understand if if they're they're good, they're great, or if they're dangerous. Well, you know what? Chicago was really cold when Billy McCreary and I did it. It was Detroit and Chicago years ago. And I came off the ice and said that might have been one of the best surfaces of ice that we've had this year in the entire NHL. And and so I don't think that'll be a concern. I think the ice will be phenomenal. And obviously they changed it to a 6 o'clock uh, central time start to avoid the the uh, possibility of, of the sunshine that, that really hurt the ice in, in Tahoe. And, uh, but no, I think the ice will be phenomenal. It, it was in the two outdoor games I did. And the only thing that really ever hurts the ice, it's not the cold, it's just the sun. Well, we look forward to the day where me, you, Sammy, and JB are all doing jello shots somewhere and, and tweeting it out. <laughs> somewhere That's warm, a- I hope. That's a long ways away from today, I can tell you that, Tim. Yeah, I know. It's unfortunate that we know what's going on with the World Juniors. And, you know, it's just uh, I thought we were past this when we started the season. And and, uh, I said this to Jamal yesterday. We started the season and everybody, the buildings were full and the games were exciting. The hockey was phenomenal. And now we seem to be going back to where we were you know, a year and a half ago, and I don't know how we get out of it, but hopefully we do because our sport our sport was in such a great place, you know, not to keep you, but the hockey was so phenomenal. The, the You know, the, the weeks leading up to when we had to cancel games, and hopefully we can get back to that soon. Very well said, Tim. Always fun with you, man. We really appreciate your time. Thanks, boys. Thanks, and Tim, Happy New Year. You too, you too Tim, Tim Thanks. Peel. Retired National Hockey League referee and doing a terrific job for dailyfaceoff.com as a rules analyst. Just to touch on on what he said a little bit here, I, I know it probably feels like we're we're going back, but we know so much more now. Yeah. Do we not? Even though the numbers are huge, there isn't uh there there's less of the unknown. If, if I could say that, do you guys agree? Oh, uh, oh, 100%. Initially, a lot of the shutdown was like, let's just figure out what enemy we're fighting here. You know, like we, we have a much better sense for what we're dealing with. And obviously, we don't know everything, but we know enough to make some decisions here. You know, I know I know it's frustrating right now for a lot of people. And I, I have a feeling the league's going to find a way to play hockey this season. I don't think it's going to go back to anything resembling what last season looked like. Sam Constantino will join us in the second hour to talk about the latest. And and Sammy, uh, earlier you were talking about uh, a report out there. You, you seeing or hearing anything else? Is it uh, a reality that the World Junior Championship in Red Deer and Edmonton can could be canceled? No, it's that's official. Well, not officially official, but you know most people talking about it that it's going to be done. So. Yeah, uh, old Bobby Margarita there is t- saying that it's canceled. So it's—I mean, if he's okay. saying it, that's that's official. But yeah, it's just—I mean, I I just sent out a tweet saying if you were gonna cancel this baby over four positive tests, you probably should have put it in a in a bubble. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, that's well like, said. Hey, 
there's hey. 250 people involved with it, four cases, and you shuttered it. The- do you do you understand? There was no money for the bubble. No one was mm. gonna buck uh. up. Okay, that's it. They would have done it. Trust me, they would have done it. It's too expensive. It but was then, a to one-off. Sammy's point, Kipper, then they shouldn't have had it. There was going to be four cases. Listen, who knows how many millions, and again, this is to my point earlier in the show, who knows how much money has to go back now? And I think it's seven figures. So who's who's got to stroke a check now to the sponsors and uh, TSN and, and anyone else? But services not rendered well so. certainly there will be arguments that the services were rendered as best they could be they were presented there were games you know is it mm-hmm. is that enough there, there there may be lawyers involved there yes sir and that's that's what it's all about they did everything they 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 took a real chance here and it was yeah. the odds were so against them so against them that they were going to pull this off. And I don't know if you want to just strike it up to a cockiness and arrogance that uh, we're going to, we're going to pull this off while everybody else is getting tested every other day, positive in the national hockey league, but we're, we're going to, we're going to find a way to get this done. Not even close. No. And one thing I will add, Sammy, is there weren't four cases. They don't shut it down after four cases. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors right now, but there was not, there's not four cases. Maybe there's 40. I don't know what the number is, but. Great point. There's four you know, publicized cases. <laughs> yeah. If they're shutting yeah. it down, it's not for four people. Yeah. Surely, given the millions at stake. All right. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, it, it's a short tournament. It's a fun tournament. We know what it means to this country this time of year. Uh, we were just, it just seemed like we were warming up, just getting yeah. started uh, and watching uh, the next great names, including Con- uh, Connor Bedard. Who leads the tournament in goals, I presume. By the way, how about the OHL sees this happening? They reinstated Logan Mayu, the Montreal Canadiens draft pick, right as the World Juniors is canceled. <laughs> talk, talk about ducking the, the bad press, eh? They're bringing oh this guy God. back and didn't want to hear about so he's it. Playing so for, he's playing for London, right? He's, he's gonna go back in London, London as of yeah. the first, so a couple days now. Wow. All right. Should probably break to get to the Big E, Kipper. All right. Sort of. Be the bearer of bad news here. Man, World that's Juniors the worst. On the brinks of being canceled. So we'll get into that with the Big E, Eric Lindros, Hall of Famer, and a one-time teenage hockey superstar. After the break, you're listening to Real Kipper and Bourne.